Hello everyone, it's so good to be back with you. I'm looking forward to sharing the Word of God with you today and I hope it's a blessing to you and I hope it, that it uh, helps you out a whole lot. You know, I was thinking the other day, I know a lady who, this is a few years ago, her daughter worked at the deli of a local grocery store and she was having quite, quite a problem because the customers were so rude to her and would cuss her out and she said it was a daily thing that she'd have customers that would just be very rude and mean to her. And then I know another lady who worked uh, for customer service at, at a local store and she could hardly stand it either because she'd be cussed out and people would be angry and rude and mean to her. And it's just uh, hard to believe. You know, uh, my husband was at uh, a hardware store you know, several years ago and uh, just coincidentally came upon one of our church members who was cussing out one of the uh, helpers at the hardware store. So, you know, we no longer live in a very civil society and it's so sad. People, so many people are angry. Uh, so many people have short tempers and are mean and you can see it in things like road rage and how, how often those incidents are happening now. And then you look at social media like Facebook or YouTube or, or uh, something like Nextdoor that's supposed to be a community kind of thing to help each other out. And someone can make just a simple statement or their opinion or say that they they lost something or they got robbed or something very simple and the the commenters on that post can spew all kinds of hate toward that person and, and treat that person really bad and call them all kinds of names. So today I'm going to talk about 10 basic and common sense social graces and good manners that every child should learn and every adult, especially a Christian, should embrace and live by. Now this isn't, is not a complete list at all. And, you know, there's a lot of people that have grown up in homes that were not uh, polite or had any social graces. Um, you know, there was a show on many years ago called Roseanne that everybody was rude and, and crude. And um, there's just different shows that show family life that, that people would not le learn any kind of social graces. But when we become a Christian, we should walk um, in uh, uh, our, uh, the way we portray ourselves should reflect Christ. And so I'm going to talk today about social graces to live by. In Ephesians 4.31, Ephesians 4.31, in the New Living Translation, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. In chapter 5, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So the way that we act, the way we conduct ourselves, how we treat others, and the words we choose to speak are really important to God. We should have good manners. There are so many common sense things that we could discuss like 
covering your mouth when you're coughing or not butting in line. But um, we're not going to talk about quite those, but uh, we're going to talk about some other really common sense things that should start in our home. We need to treat people that we live with, our family, the best and with the most respect. So here we go. Are you ready? Number one, saying please. Saying please shows that you value the other person and respect them. It shows that you're asking for something and not demanding it. What sounds better in these two? Would you please do the dishes or do the dishes? We want someone to say please to us. It shows kindness and respect for other uh, another person's will. Even if they're subordinate to you, even if you're if it's your employee or your child, saying please goes a long, long way and it's very important. So I guess you can guess what number two is, is thank you. Thank you is one of the most powerful phrases that can be spoken. A Harvard study showed that gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with diversity, and build strong relationships. So thankfulness is very important. It's also said that thankfulness reduces stress, improves our sleep, and floods our body with endorphins that energize us. So being thankful is a good social grace, an important social grace, but it also benefits you. In Luke 17, verse 11, Luke 17, 11, I'll, I'm going to get a drink of water while you look that up. It says, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? Verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, go and stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So God notices when you are thankful. And one of the best way to cut off blessings in your life is to be unthankful. And this is something that's so important in our personal and our work relationships. Recognize what others do for you and thank them. Terry and I practice this in our home every single day. We're always thanking each other for doing things like, thank you for cooking dinner. Thank you for doing the laundry. Thank you for changing that light bulb. Thank you for paying the bills on time. Thank you for cutting the grass. There's just so many things that people do for you that, that if you're thankful to them, it just, it just is such a blessing. So make it a practice to thank others in your family, at the stores, at the restaurants, 
and in your workplace and in your church. Just be thankful. Be thankful to everyone. And always, always, always thank people who give you gifts. Send thank you notes. Sending a thank you note shows that you really value what the other person has done for you. And if you can't send a thank you note, <clears throat> tell them in person. Give them a phone call. Send them a text. Send them an email. Let them know how thankful you really are. Number three, we did please and thank you. Now we're going to do, excuse me, <laughs> Webster's Dictionary uh, says, excuse me, is used as a polite way of starting to say something, used as a polite way of starting to interrupt someone, used as a polite way of trying to get someone's attention. Have you ever been in the store and say, excuse me, excuse me, used as a polite apology for a minor fault or offense, such as laughing, coughing, or burping, <laughs> used as a polite apology for getting in someone's way or bumping into someone used as a polite way of asking someone to repeat something. So as you can see, saying excuse me is all about being polite and having social graces. It shows that you are considering the other person, their time, their attention, their, their feelings. So it's, it's a very important social grace. Have you ever noticed uh, on an interview, like on a TV talk show or the news or something like that, um, like like 60 minutes, for example. I'm not saying 60 minutes does this, but just as an example of what I'm talking about, when they are interviewing somebody and the interviewer asks a question and the person starts to answer the question and then the interviewer just interrupts with another question or they talk over them, that is not polite and it just shows the person is not really interested in the answers and they're just interested in asking their own questions. So excuse me needs to be used in a really good way to show that you're polite. Now another social grace, number four, is to give compliments. This shows that you recognize the value of another person. It is vital to building healthy relationships. When you compliment someone, it brings out the best in them. Compliments are better than criticism. Sometimes constructive criticism is necessary, but compliments go a long, long way. Compliments will produce better things in people. You did a good job. You look so nice today. You do this, that, or the other thing so well. You handled that well. You know, giving compliments can build someone's self-worth. It shows that you are a big person if you can compliment other people. Now this, I'm not talking about, we can't, you know, if, if you're in English class, the teacher can't fail you if you didn't do the assignments. That's not, not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about giving honest uh, compliments to people. Find good things about people that you can compliment. You know, a husband can make a wife feel beautiful and act beautiful and, and look beautiful just with compliments by building her up. And a wife can make her husband so confident and so self-assured just by complimenting him and, and finding good things about him to build him up. So giving compliments is a very important social grace that you can have. Number five, responding to invitations. are They're commonly called, do an RSVP, RSVP to someone. 
When someone invites you to an event, let them know as soon as possible whether you can come or not. It shows you appreciate and value them and, and their invitation. As a society, at least here what I'm aware of, the RSVP has also become a almost become a joke now. You know, when someone is planning an event, people have to put down money for uh, a location, for a venue, for the caterers, uh, or if they're having something at their home, they have to buy groceries or decorations or paper goods for an event. When you don't let the person know uh, whether or not you're coming, it puts a great deal of stress on the planner. And this poor rate of RSVPs has become like a disaster, a really difficult problem for wedding receptions because it's a big event. You have to know uh, well in advance how many people are coming and if people don't respond, it really is very hurtful to the married couple or the parents of the, whoever is paying for it or organizing it. It becomes a really, it, it's just very, very rude. You know, at Summit, um, we once had, for many years, we had a volunteer appreciation banquet. It started in uh, a woman's home. She would she had everyone over and, and cooked for them so that we could appreciate all the volunteers. And then we moved it to a, a banquet hall, and it was a catered event. And we wanted to show our deep appreciation for everyone who volunteered at Summit because we are very, we're very, 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 very thankful for them. But, you know, we had to stop uh, having these banquets because people would not get around to doing the RSVP. Then at the last minute, we would have to call people and then we would feel like we're pressuring people to come because we needed an answer. And it really makes for a very sad state of affairs when people don't do the courtesy of, of responding to an invitation. So RSVP, respond when you're invited and do it in a timely way. That's a social grace that's really important. Number six, be on time. Being on time is a social grace. It shows that we respect and value the person that we are meeting or the job we are doing. You know, if, if you have a problem, some people have really have a problem being on time, but I know that you can improve. If you put your mind to it, I know that you can improve. Number seven, use your words. When my grandkids were younger and they would get upset about something or start to cry or throw a tantrum, my daughter-in-law would tell them, use your words to express how they were feeling and why they were upset instead of losing their temper. Learn to use your, your words in a way that's profitable. Think before you talk. Do not use foul language. Learn to listen before you talk and learn to hear both sides of an issue before giving your opinion. It's so important to use your words properly. In Proverbs 18.21, Proverbs 18.21 in the Amplified Bible, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for life, or for death or for life. So we choose with our own mouth whether we're producing life or death in our own lives and in the, in the lives of other people. In Matthew 12, 37, Matthew 12, 37 in the New Living Translation, it says the word you say, the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. 
So we want our words to always be uh, acquitting us, our words always be uh, bringing life to people. It's so important. It's the social grace that we should have as Christians. Number eight, do not call people names or label them. If we're calling people names, if we're if we're name calling, uh, calling people derogatory names, that's not being polite, it's rude, and it's not walking in a social grace. In Titus 3, verse 1, Titus 3, verse 1, in the NLT, it says, Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone, which is not calling people names, not, not saying there's something that they're not, and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. So we need to uh, treat people with respect and love and be gentle and not name call. You know, calling people names is very hurtful. It can really hurt people to the core. It can hurt them deeply. And if it builds up over time, it can also it can cause people to be depressed. Um, it can even cause people to commit suicide eventually if they get so depressed. The person that calls other people names shows a great deal about their own character, which is shows a, a lot of really bad things about their own character. Calling people names show that you feel the need to show that you are better than them and that you think you're superior to them. And we're all familiar with the, the schoolyard bullies that call people all kinds of derogatory names. But unfortunately, it doesn't end in grade school. People carry on in junior high, high school, college, and in adult life, calling people names, or bullying people, or labeling people. And it's just not uh, fitting for a Christian. It doesn't show uh, social graces. You know, calling people names and labeling them can be a really, really, really effective tool in politics. You know, degrading uh, others by labeling them or calling them names. You know, that's we see that in politics a whole lot, and it's it's you know it really works. Unfortunately, when when people hear stuff like that enough, they begin to believe it, and it's it's a manip manipulative tactic that's been used for years. Hitler was famous for it. Um, many other uh, leaders have been famous for it, just labeling people, labeling a whole set of people. Um, um, there, there's a politician in the United States who is famous for it. He uses this tool effectively to try to destroy people and make himself look good. Names that he uses are Crooked Hillary, Little Marco, Lion Ted Cruz, Jeff Flakey, Ron Sanctimonious, Crazy Bernie, Pocahontas, Al Frankenstein, Psycho Joe, Coco Chow, Fat Jerry, Broken Old Crow, and on and on and on and on. Any Anybody that uh, this politician wants to defame or get the best of, <clears throat> or, or news uh, people, or any anybody that they deal with that they want to uh, get the better of, find a name to call them. And then people, if that he uses that name enough, people will start thinking that about them. You know, that person, politicians like that are going to do what they're going to do. But Christians have a choice to be like him or to be like Christ. 
You know, many Christians really like this. They think it's funny and they join in on the name calling. But that is not treating people with love or respect. And it shows zero class and zero social grace. You know, we have a mandate from God to imitate Christ. Not a, not a popular figure, not a political figure. And, you know, if you disagree with somebody who has different views on anything, political views, religious views, views about the economy, whatever it might be, have enough social grace to have an intelligent conversation without calling names. You are going to disagree with people. Sometimes people are going to make you angry. Sometimes you're going to vehemently disagree with people. But have the social grace not to call people names and not to deride people. Uh, speak to people with intelligence. It takes no effort, no effort and no intelligence to call a person a name, but it does take effort to engage someone in an informed and intelligent conversation on the facts of a matter. So I just encourage you, don't call people names. Now I'm going to give you a couple examples to try to turn this around and see how you would feel. So how would you feel if you belong to a church and your pastor decided to call you a derogatory name, and all of your Christian friends joined in on it. Wouldn't you expect your Christian friends to stand behind you and, you know, not want you to be called a name? What if the pastor made fun of you because you were too short, too tall, too thin, too heavy, too smart, not smart enough? You stuttered, you had tremors. Um, hopefully, your friends would not tolerate that name calling. And um, the pastor shouldn't do it, and you shouldn't do it. Um, but it, but it, when it enters the political world, it's like we have a whole different uh, moral compass, and that's just not right. You know, Terry was, um, and, you know, we discussed this example, so he knows I'm talking about it. Terry was overweight for many years. And he fought really hard to develop a healthy lifestyle, healthy lifestyle and self-control in the areas of diet and exercise. After he had maintained that for probably a good eight years, he taught on self-control as, as one part of a series on the fruit of the spirit, which one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. He spoke solely about his own journey, taking jabs at himself and how hard it was to start exercising. He didn't address anyone in the congregation on whether they had self-control or, or the lack of it. He didn't call anyone a name. He didn't call anyone Fat Fred or Two-Ton Tessie. Despite focusing on his own journey with self-control, several members of the congregation were furious because Terry might have offended someone. But those same type of people will think it's so funny or so appropriate when a political figure calls someone fat or stupid or lazy or dumb or a myriad of other names, why do you think that is? Why do you think it's okay in one situation and not the other? It is not a social grace to call people names, derogatory names, or label people or whole groups of people. When I talk about groups of people, you know, labeling groups of people is not wise, whether it's an ethnic group like 
all all people that you know are this nationality or this ethnic group or are dumb or stupid or criminals or rapists you know labeling a whole ethnic group um is not wise Na labeling a whole religion a whole nationality a whole political party a whole socioeconomic group you know we can't label a whole group of people with a derogatory name um, it's just not godly. You know, Jesus came to save the whole world. And the Bible says that people from every nation, every kindred, kindred and tongue, God has called them out and they're part, they're, they will become part of the kingdom of God. So who are we to say that one group of people is basically, they're basically losers. We can't do that. That's not godly and that's not social grace. <clears throat> Grace does not label all people in a group as bad. So number nine, put others first, prefer others. In Philippians 2 verse 3, it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have that same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So let someone else talk first, have the best seat, have the first place in line, have the first piece of cake. If you have a chair, like in a waiting room of a, of a, a office or whatever, ever, ever, and an older person comes in and there's no seat for them, give them yours. If you're a man and a lady comes in with children or whatever, give, give them your seat. You know, prefer other people. It's, it shows that you're a class act. It really shows you're a class act when you prefer other people and you put other people first. And it also shows that you're not selfish and self-centered. Number 10, put your phone down. <laughs> look at people in the eye, hold a civil conversation and love on them and look at them in their eyes, see their smile, see their eyes and engage with people on a personal level. And that's a real big one in this day and age. It's a social grace to be able to put down your phone and actually engage people and interact with people. So I'll conclude with a great scripture on social graces. Colossians 3.12 in the NLT. Colossians 3.12. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Always, always be thankful. So today we talked about please, social graces, please, thank you, excuse me, give compliments, RSVP, be on time, use your words, don't call people names or, or label them, put others first and put your phone down. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed this today. I hope you got something out of it and I hope that you'll endeavor to have these social graces that I talked about and be a blessing to others and be a great witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, 
I encourage you to confess your sins, repent of your sins, and turn around, turn your life around, and make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Uh, have faith in him. Believe that he died for your sins. He purchased your salvation. And make him the Lord and master of your life. And I tell you what, God will make you a new creation. He'll totally and completely change your life. And uh, you'll be a blessing to the people around you. And it will really bless you and give you joy and peace and, and all kinds of wonderful good things. So thanks for joining me today. And uh, I encourage you to listen to Pastor Terry's message on this coming Sunday. It's going to be a great one. So um, we'll see you next week. God bless you. Bye-bye.